And welcome back to the Leadership Fan Podcast. It's great to see you guys and to talk to you guys today. I'm Joe Linhart, your host. And uh, boy, uh, it's a new week. And today is a little different in these United States uh, because um, as I record this, it's a very early morning um, before work hours. Um, and we have 9-11 upon us. And you know, in years past, um, I have not had a podcast to talk about 9-11 or any kind of opportunity or platform to really speak of it at all. And I think so much has been said, uh, um, all appropriately so. It's a day for us to remember in this country and to remember the fallen. And for this show's sake, um, to remember the leaders. And I got a couple of leaders on my mind today. And I started my day, gosh, way too early. Let's call it 5, 4.30, 5 a.m. this morning on this topic. And I'll just talk to you a little bit about, you know, sort of what's been stirring in me today. I took the time this morning, and maybe you'll remember this story. I'm quite sure you do. But uh, in the past for me, I've always listened to it in audio or seen it in video of some sort and um, or a testimonial from this gentleman's wife. But uh, I want to speak of Todd Beamer today, um, who certainly demonstrated leadership, you know, in the face of just a te just a terrifying situation, right? Uh, with a lot of people's lives at stake. And so what I did this morning is I took the time, I ran into the transcript of his 911 call on 9-11. And I tell you, for me, reading the transcript just hit different than listening to it or seeing it on television. Uh, so I read the transcript from start to finish. I was struck with how long it was, number one. I mean, this is a fast, you know, moving situation. It's terrifying. The plane's going up and down. You know, there's all kind of news breaking about what's happening on the ground, right, um, in, in New York City and in and, and, and D.C. at the time. And so with that said, as I continued to read through this, um, I, I was struck by his calmness. I was, I don't know that I would have been able to say as much as he did to that agent. And then later an FBI agent got on the line as well. Um, but he did such a great job of articulating the situation that they were dealing with and even puts her on hold for a moment, you know, as they had started to meet as a group and, uh, there was a group of them that had decided to storm that cockpit and he, they're showing leadership right in, in the face of just uh evil frankly and um one of the things that two things struck me um here number one how he took the time to ask her to speak to his family for him and explain to her some of the things she he wanted her to say and as I remember in, in this transcript, the operator's name was Lisa, which is the same name as his wife, which is interesting. And, and he addressed all of his children and all these things through Lisa. Just whew, heartbreaking and heartwarming all at the same time. And that's strength, right? And, and in the context of leadership, you know, leaders show strength. Um, when tough things come their way 
and he didn't shy away from this challenge. He stepped forward, and you know he had to be terrified. On the other hand, um, he seemed very motivated and willing to take the lead on this. And uh, as you know, his famous quote at the end of the call, he says, let's roll, right? And he had four guys with him, and they had a plan of action um, that may have saved hundreds, if not thousands of lives on the ground. Um, but the other thing that struck me in, in the transcript um, of the call is the time that he asked Lisa to take the time to pray with him. I mean, this is, a, a, you can only imagine what's going on in that plane at the moment, but he takes the time uh, and he says in our father and it was just brought tears to my eyes as I read the, the, the finish of this, this call. Um, wow. Was able to put faith, you know, um, in a uh, prominent space during the worst of the worst kind of situations. And so that, that's my first leader as we remember 9-11 and we remember the, the tragedy that really changed this country. And I say, I, 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 you know, I know where I was when this happened. I was in a school, I was doing presentations to high school students, um, about their futures, uh, at the time. And it was just so difficult. And it's it, frankly distracting to try to keep it together and to try to stay focused and motivating young people when they know what's going on around them. I can still remember a teacher handing me a note during uh, one of my presentations and it said the World Trade Center, I'm sorry, the Pentagon was just was just hit. And I, I'm in the middle of my presentation trying to just not lose focus and try to not lose rhythm and not let the students really feel that anything else had happened. And I think all of us can relate to that where we were that day. And, and so Todd Beamer's just an amazing guy in all of this tragedy, but you know, I'm going to put this next leader out there. I was just so impressed with our president of the United States at the time, George W. Bush. Um, I frankly, it's not my concern what your, you know, political persuasion is at this point. I always say that on this show. Um, and as time goes on, I'll probably become even more bold in that. But um it doesn't matter what I thought of him beforehand or especially afterwards, because I think there were some mistakes made later. Um, but, you know, presidents have hard decisions to make, and I can't imagine being in those shoes. Um, but on this particular day, you remember the famous scene of him. He also was in a classroom and um, his Secret Service whispered in his ear what was going on. He stayed calm, didn't alarm the students. And then, you know, calmly left the room to go deal with this uh, just monumental tragedy. But a couple of things stood out to me that were monumental moments in the days to come. Um, and I felt as though President Bush handled the situation perfectly as a leader. He showed strength and confidence um, he was able to reassure Americans and New Yorkers and folks in Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C. alike um, that this is the United States of America 
and we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Um, and so I, two things that stood out that I bet you remember too, that I just loved as an American, right? Number one, um, when he stood on the rubble, uh, with a firefighter and he was reassuring all of those folks on the ground, right. That they had the government's full support, right. And that we were going to get through this as Americans together, not Republicans, not Democrats, Americans. Um, that was awesome. But then it gets better in my view because I can remember there were some construction workers uh, yelling or, you know, or rescue folks in the crowd. I'm not sure. Uh, I apologize for that, but I'm just going off a of memory here. And, and they yelled, we can't hear you. And the quote, um, and, and I did go and write this quote down from the president with a megaphone, with his arm around the firefighter. He says, I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knocked those buildings down, we hear, we'll hear from all of us soon. That's a close quote. I, I will tell you, um, I, I get chills saying that quote because he said it with conviction and confidence. And, and he clearly meant what he was saying, as we would learn um, in days and weeks to come. No matter what you thought about what the next 20 years would bring um, in those moments I thought our leader of the free world stood tall. Next example. He goes to the New York Yankees game, again, to show he's out there. He's not afraid, right? He's not hiding in some bunker, right? He walks out in Yankee Stadium, gets on the mound, not the short, not the short distance to throw out the first pitch. No, no, he stands up on on the on the rubber on the mound and he delivers an absolute strike right with confidence and i remember how he walked off of that mound with his chest out knowing you know he had a big uh you know bulletproof vest on at the time and he walked off that field and he waved to the crowd as to say you will not stop us from doing life playing baseball, living a free life in the United States of America. And I loved every second of it, especially as a sports fan, right? And so those were some of my reflections this morning. You know, there were two great examples of leadership. This is a leadership show, friends. Um, there was a great example of faith as well in Todd Beamer praying with that 911 operator before he decided to roll up that aisle into that cockpit, sacrificing his own life um, and saving untold amounts of lives on the ground. Fantastic stuff. And so God bless America, you know, and we continue to pray for all of those families uh, that lost their loved ones. It's so hard to believe it's been 22 years and, uh, while I didn't have anyone personally that I knew uh, that perished in that terrible tragedy, um, it touched all of us as Americans. And uh, But we continue to move forward, and that's what we do, and we do it together.
So with that said, you know, we, we, we move on, you know, we keep doing life, we keep doing business. And so today you've got me solo, obviously no guest today. We've got some great guests coming up. Uh, and I want you to stay tuned throughout the rest of the year. I can't believe a few of the guests that we've booked, um, that you're going to love having uh here and we'll continue to mix the programming here on the leadership man podcast but today i want to just kind of give you a little short uh coaching pod i want to just give you sort of my lead pipe lock tip of the week uh where i've had something on my mind that has always been i guess an interest of mine perhaps a strength of mine. It's something that I've done a lot of um, at other organizations, especially where we're scaling larger teams. I've talked about it here before, but here's what I want to do. I want to listen up folks. If you are a young leader who is, is, is really trying to climb that corporate ladder right now, right? I always refer to it as making the climb. Well, you know, you're going to probably lose before you win. Yeah, that's always been my advice to my teams. I had to lose. I had to skin my knee and get get punched in the mouth a few times in the interview processes that I went through. And most of these big companies are going to have, through talent acquisition, some sort of a robust process you're going to have to go through. Sometimes it's with individual leaders. Sometimes it's in a committee type style interview process. Um, and indeed, it, you know, I guess about 10 years ago, I started, uh, you know, scaling a pretty large team. And um, I mentioned this team often because I'm super proud of them. But long story short, so we don't make this about me today. It's just really about the reference. And it's, it's for you guys who are trying to make that climb here. Um, it's about your prep. It's about being ready for the moment, right? Instead of just going in willy-nilly and not having a plan. I would oftentimes, as we started to grow, we went from about 50 people to 325 people um, in, in a couple of years um, time, right? And so you can imagine that we had a lot of people, oftentimes younger leaders that were coming to me saying, hey, I'm interested in, in being a manager. I'm interested in being a director. What do I have to do to get there? And I would, I would always have a blast giving some advice to some of these leaders. And offering them my help. I might say, Hey, let's prep. You want to do some mock interviews with me? I'll be happy to, I'm going to beat you up a little bit. I'm going to be hard on you, uh, the best of my ability, but you know, that way you've, you've had some, taken some real bullets. Um, and some of those folks would take, take me up on that. And then I would provide them feedback, but there was some feedback that I would generally use with most all of our reps who, and we promoted some 25 or 26 of them into management at the time. I think four or five of them became directors later, and many of them are doing great things across this country right now at different organizations. This particular company I'm speaking of is actually out of business now, hard to believe, uh, and the university we supported has, 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 um, you know, was, was bought by someone else. Um, but with all that said, I wanted to just share with you. I could share with you. Keep this in mind. I could share 20 different things. And, and what I'm about to share is in no particular order. I just want to share some basic truths. And if you are someone who is an older leader, you've been in leadership for years and years and years like me. Well, you're probably mentoring some people. And so maybe this will stir some thoughts with you as well. We want to continue to develop great leaders 
in this country. And, and so let me give you a few thoughts of what I think are critical components to an executive interview or middle management interview, you know, interview processes, uh, et cetera. Let's start now uh, again, starting this lead pipe lock tip of the week. Let's talk about confidence really quick to me. I would talk to folks and, and I'd live by this myself uh, because it's something I had to struggle with early in my career is walking into that interview, no matter what your skill set is, with your head held high, with a, a certain confidence and, and, and just uh, swag about you because you know you're supposed to be there. You were meant to be there. I'm not talking about arrogance. Um, I'm just talking about, you know what? Your head's held high. Your, your shoulders are, are straight. You know, you're sitting up straight. You're, you know, you're, um, you're excited to be there. You're passionate and it shows, but let's talk about some other things you can do to exude confidence, uh, just from the jump. Um, you know, I'm one that likes to try to control, um, things in an interview if I can, again, I realize, uh, it's not my, I'm not running the interview, but even as someone being interviewed, I want to take it to them in a respectful way. So from the minute I walk into the room, I want to be conversational, right? I'm a sales guy from at heart. And so I'm going to, I understand pleasantries and asking questions and, you know, trying to create connections right from the very beginning. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone that's more, I guess, offensive in an interview than just back on my heels heels defensive. So oftentimes I might fire back with a question, right? Um, as part of my answer. So confidence is going to be very, very important. I like the term curious, you know, be curious about their organization, be curious about the process, curious about their current state of affairs, right? So Anyone who's done a lot of leadership interviews, you're going to love it when you interview someone that is very curious and ask good questions. One final note about confidence. Be careful not to layer in too much BS into your answers because guys like me are going to sniff that out. I think there's a difference in being confident and also being genuine, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that here before I end up uh, or, or close out this podcast today. Next one, I always talk about this, and this makes me a little bit unique in my advice, and I want to share it with you today. And um, you can you can find some of this in leadership books out there, um, but sometimes we can get caught up in answering questions. Um, we sort of get diarrhea of the mouth, right? You know we. We speak to a question at length or pontificate on a question until we feel like we got to the answer, right? We're just hunting. So let's pretend for a minute that someone asks you in a leadership interview what your leadership style is or what your leadership philosophy is. Well, this is one that I'm passionate about because I believe this is simple right? This is one that you should be able to state in one or two sentences, 
right? And it should roll off your tongue and you should be passionate about it. And they are going to come away from this having a clear understanding of what you stand for. But it doesn't have to be too complicated, right? It's sort of your leadership mission statement, in my view, which are always going to be what right to the point, right? And so let me give you an example. I think that's the best thing leaders can do is to give people examples. So let's pretend someone asked me that question. So Joe, tell us about your leadership philosophy. What do you believe in as a leader? Man, I'm really glad that you asked me that question because I'm passionate about it. Let me tell you, I'm the kind of leader who believes strongly in a people first philosophy. I understand that we stand on their shoulders. And so my goal as a leader is to change the lives of the people that are employed here at this company. And if we could do that, friends, they will run through walls for us. We will have a healthy culture that is people focused, period, full stop. It's that simple. Now, listen, do I have that memorized? No, I would say that differently every time, but the same explanation would come out of my mouth each time. Just a couple of sentences to the point. And of course, we're going to now get more questions. Okay, that sounds great, Joe, but tell me a little bit more about you, how you hold people accountable. Tell me how you motivate people, right? Tell me how you uh, build culture. How do you recognize your staff, right? Tell me about a time when you had to deal with staff conflict. And you know what? With confidence, I relish all of those questions. I love it. Right. And, and that leads me to my third kind of lead pipe lock tip of the week. I've talked about confidence. I talked about preparing your leadership philosophy. And this will be the final one of the day. And it's critical. It's important. And it, and it, it, it really works hand in glove with preparing your leadership philosophy. It's, it's all about being a storyteller. You know, I always talk about in leadership that I believe leaders are great storytellers. They're able to, you know, paint a picture, right, uh, for their employees. And um, I've done this what seems like thousands of times. I am someone that uses analogies a lot. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're goofy, right? And a lot of times, though, I will look back in my past when I was a producer or I was in a different role at a different company, and I would use an example from my experience to try to teach uh, or to coach uh, on a given subject, right? And I believe people, when they understand the why behind the what, what well, and you're able to use what I might call real life application, right, in, in tackling certain content, um, I think you're better off as a leader. And so I think the same thing happens in the interview process. So here's what I would often say, and this is important, especially if you're a young leader looking for some tips on interviews, listen up. I will tell you, you need to prepare always for any leadership interview, for any interview that for that matter, right? We want to, we want to prepare well, and we want to play loose and all those things. Have you prepared stories? You want to be a storyteller. So here's the way I've always said it. It's goofy, 
but it works, I think. Um, so you've got you. There's my hand. You got you got five fingers, and most of us do, right? So those of you who are listening in audio, I'm holding my hand up to the screen now. And what I used to do is I would just lay my hand out, and I would say to our employees that want to grow, "Listen, I want you to fill that hand as if it were a file folder. I want you to fill it with stories." And those stories are going to come through your everyday experiences that you're having right now, which means you need to take some initiative and create some solutions and some initiatives. Let's talk more about that. So maybe you prepare one for every finger on that hand. You got five or six, even let's say, great stories prepared for this interview. All right. One of them is going to be really critical. I'll get to that in a second. But basically, these stories are going to be in there. They're going to be stories like someone that you really had to coach up that improved someone maybe that you had to, you know, utilize disciplinary action with and what the outcomes of that were, right? Maybe, you know, some examples of what you believe in, in, uh, interviewing, you know, future reps, right. It, it, you know, it, building a culture, how, how did you build such a fantastic culture within your team? Tell me some of the things that you've done. It, it's all going to be in that file. Okay. So you would prepare all of these stories, right. And have them ready to go. Um, and you can just hit them, right. Cause, cause you know, your business and you're passionate about it, but let's go to the most important one for me. I say that you should have a fantastic example prepared and ready where you did the following. You identified a problem in the organization, right? These are usually pretty significant issues. You identified the problem. You created a unique solution, right? You implemented and rolled out this plan. And then you coached to it. And finally, you measured the results with data, okay? So you're going to be prepared by memory, right? Not a script to explain that, that example um, where you shared a problem and a solution and the results with the committee you're interviewing with. It shows that you prepare. It shows you know your business. It shows you take initiative. You're a problem solver, right? If you are just meek and you're on defense the whole time and you don't have good real um, meat on the bone, real good examples to show that you're prepared to come lead in this organization, you may well get beat, right? And this is a competitive situation. And when you get beat, it stings. But remember something, right? Sometimes you lose, but you always learn from it, right? So if that should happen, right, don't sulk about it. Don't get your head down. Go back to work and keep fighting because your time is coming. And I learned that, you know, certainly the hard way uh, over the years as well. So there you go. Three examples today that I have always been passionate about. Confidence preparing and really knowing what you stand for as a leader through a leadership mission statement or a leadership philosophy. And finally, the art of storytelling in leadership and in leadership interviews, right? Finally, let me leave you with this thought. And I teased this earlier. Ask yourself, do they believe me? You see, I would often 
have closed door sessions with our leaders. And when we were interviewing people at various companies for director type roles, um, I would just look at the group and I would say, do you believe them? Were they genuine? Do they really know their stuff? Or are they just great interviewers? I don't know what the case may be, but I think the thing is, folks, I, I want you to be genuine. I want you to be authentic and earnest and 100% you, for better or for worse, right? They're either going to buy it or they're not. And I just think if you're someone that's good at putting up a facade, if you're really good at BS factor, um, it, it, it's probably going to get you beat more than you're going to win with it anyway, right? It's always best to go into that fight presenting the best you that you can present. I think it's really that simple. And it's no different in leadership. You know, when you get on the floor and you're leading a group of people, they want to know you're real. They want to know that you have their best interest at heart and that you're not just, just fake, right? That you're not just using, you know, fancy words with them, but you're in the fight with them. You'll roll up your sleeves and you'll get after it and they can trust you. That's a critical thing that, you know, obviously you would want to parlay into your interviews as well. So I'll let it go with that today. Uh, we went about 29 minutes today. Again, folks, we want to thank you for supporting the Leadership Fan Podcast. Uh, you can find this podcast at, on, on any platform where you consume podcasts. We're on all the social media platforms as well. And we just ask that you continue to tell your friends your coworkers help us to grow a small community here uh, of powerful leaders and we'll just continue to share together best practices and continue to sharp that leader sharpen that leadership axe that we all carry and so i look forward to seeing you guys next week where we'll be with a guest that you'll be excited to hear from uh, but until then, I want you to go out there and make some really big ripples within your companies, but more importantly, leaders, with your people. I'll see you next week.